My name is Kevin Tony, and this is the Uncommon Sense Podcast. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Uncommon Sense Podcast. I'm your host, Kevin Tony, and we're doing something different. We are doing a Father's Day series where I'm talking to dads that I know personally that, you know, have uh, influenced me over the years in my journey growing up. And so um, it's my pleasure today to welcome my big brother, my OG, my old head, David Felton. What's up, Dave? What up, though? How you doing, man? I'm doing good, man. Thank you for uh, agreeing to to do this for me, man. I really appreciate it. Nothing to it, buddy. Nothing to it. It's my pleasure. Yes, sir. So, um, I I had an idea for for this um, series that I wanted to do leading up to Father's Day, and you kind of solidified the fact that I wanted to go ahead and do it after that conversation we had on the phone um, recently, and um, I wanted to just kind of just in your you know with Father's Day coming up, let's start first with you know, what What has fatherhood meant to you? Like, because I can tell you what I've seen. Like, I'll, I'll let you talk, and then I'll, I'll tell you what I've observed and what I've appreciated and what I've gleaned uh, from your journey, you know, at being a dad. And, you know, once you, you give me your, you know, how how you feel about it. So in your mind, like, if I ask you, like, what does being a father mean to you? Like, how has it shaped you? you know, as a person that made, made you who you are? Mm, well, that's a great, great question for me. Um, as I am 50 years old and I have been a father over half my life. So mm-hmm. that's, uh, <laughs> that's interesting. <clears throat> and I think um, just from my perspective, this is not, you know, for everybody else. It's just from my from my perspective, I think that um, a lot of times, you know, what I think about fatherhood and how it's affected me, I think it's affected me in a positive a positive way. But I think as people live and they and they grow, and and out of that conversation we talked about, a lot of times we think that we 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 want to go back and do some things over with our children as fathers. Right. Again, this is just for me. Some people are like, you know, I did what I did as a father, and that's that's all I could do. But I believe that, like, my father uh, modeled for me, I wanted to do the best that I could possibly do in terms of influencing my children and preparing them for life. Right. And so so with that, that required a level of discipline that I didn't necessarily have, you know, being a young parent. I mean, I I think I had my youngest child when um, I was 24. So I was done having kids at 24. Okay. And so, I mean, come on now, 24 and you're done. <laughs> right. There's not a whole, a whole lot that you know about being a father, being a man or who you know about yourself anyway. However, you know, I have to say my kids and I, or my children and I, we grew, we grew up together, you know? So I right. find myself apologizing to them sometimes, you know, about, I should have done this better than, you know, oh, dad, you were fine, you were fine, you were fine. But I think, you know, to answer your question, you know, you know, when I think about 
how it affected me. It was just like I really wanted to make sure that, you know, I was um, the keeper and the steward of one of God's most valuable resources, which are his people. And more importantly, I believe it's uh, uh, the children and, 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 and those that are um, senior citizens or whatever. So, you know, just really just trying to go hard to pay for them. You know what I mean? I agree. And, I, and I've seen that. And I mentioned something to you um, a couple of years ago. We were talking and, and uh, I was telling you about how, like, the way you are with your, your family, with, you know, uh, Sister Dana and, and the kids, like, y'all remind me a lot of, like, watching y'all feels like what it would have felt like for somebody to watch my dad with me and my sisters and my mom Absolutely. growing up. Absolutely. Absolutely, Kevin. And and, I, and the thing that gets me is your father, you know, that's why I try to, you know, when I talk to him, just share with him the impact that he had on me as a model. I mean, um, there were, there were, there were models, you know, he was a model. Um, uh, Harry Grayson was a model. There were, there were a lot of different people. I mean, there were, there were people from, it wasn't like it was few and far between. There right. were people saw who were actually fathers leading their families, taking care of their families, you know, enabling their children, excuse me, empowering as well as enabling their children until they're able to get on their own. But, you know, and, and there, there was a lot there. And I, and right. I appreciate being in an environment where it wasn't abnormal to, to, to actually have a father um, leading a family, being a part of the family. And, and then too, you know, there was a story, I don't know if I shared this with you, um, I heard where a guy says, I'm about to go in here, you know, uh, with my dad. And the guy, the little boy's like, your daddy don't live with you. <laughs> and he was like, and the, the boy kind of looked puzzled at the other boy, like, yeah, he does. He was like, you lying. He was like, go get him and bring him out here. And that, that was like, he was like, man, really? but that's, that's some people's reality now. Right. That not only is their father not there, but they don't have a presence. <laughs> Or anything like that, and, and I'll even say this, Kevin. I think even if the father isn't in the home, um, being present, you know, in terms of helping, guiding, and and leading the children, you know, through life, you know, helping them matriculate through life is is essential too. You know, right. I, I have friends who 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 don't even live in the same state as their children, but you know, they're effective in what it is that they do. They co-parent, but they're there for their children. And the children understand that they have a father. They call them. They visit them regularly. They're 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 actually in in the in their lives, right? And so and I and I'll say this, you know, in some cases, not all, you know, they're more effective than some fathers are there. So anyway, but that's I mean, like I said, I'll go I can go down a rabbit hole about it. But right, you know, growing up as a young man, I looked up to people like your father and other folks too, um, and then you know reached into the model that I had when my father um, was raising me as well as what type of father I wanted to be. And what my responsibility was, of course, core values in terms of setting the tone came from biblical principles. But again, just life skills and learning and, and having conversations and listening and watching other men, um, um, you know, navigate that, that same terrain that I would that I would later on navigate. Right. And and I, I agree with all of that. Um, and while you were talking, you mentioned your father and. I wanted to ask you how, like, if you look at the way the relationship between you and your dad growing up and how that, how that uh, shaped you, 
do you have uh, a more of an appreciation of your dad being a parent to you and your siblings as far as looking at what he went through and trying to, you know, make comparisons and adjustments looking at you being a father to, you know, your family as well? Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, there's a saying that um, parents are our children's first teacher. And and uh, full disclosure, my father and my mother actually divorced after 15 years of marriage. And so conversely, uh, I was able to see my father model fatherhood more extensively than I was than my brother did, for example. Right. Okay. I got so, you. So Charles and I, Charles and you and Charles are the same age. That's a seven year difference. Right. And so with that being said, my sister and I can talk about certain things. We can reflect on certain things. My brother can say, you know, he would be like, I don't remember. Mm-hmm. And so, so to your point, um, you know, I, I talked about how your your father and others modeled um, what I thought was, you know, fatherhood. But at the same time, I did, you know, and my father was a good model at the same time. Some fathers, you know, that I that I watched and studied, you know, I said, oh no, that's not the way to go. Because you know, you can learn from folks what to do and then you can learn what not to do. What not to do, what, right. And so I think for me, um, my father didn't abandon us or anything like that. However, I felt abandoned because I felt abandoned because I felt like the, it was significant that the structure stayed together, especially coming right. from a home. And mm-hmm. so that influence right there was like, you know, I'm not getting divorced. You know, I'm not doing that to my kids. I'm not, you know, because there's, there's, there, there, there was trauma there. And it, I mean, people and adults and kids already got enough to deal with, you know what I mean? And I'm, and by no means am I saying I'm not going down a rabbit hole about staying together if you're in an abusive relationship or nothing like that. So just, you know, for all the comments, whatever, that's not what I'm talking about. Talking about right. Right. Just the health of, of the mental health of, and in some cases, spiritual health and physical health of the children. And so to your point, I had to manage whatever proclivities I had toward, uh, you know, not being whatever the case may be, you know, where your stories about men going to get bread, never coming home and stuff like that. You know, my family meant the world to me. I live for my family. I work for my family. And, you know, and uh, we're talking about being a father and being a husband. I mean, it was just all right. significant for me. Yeah. And I just felt like, you know, though this June, Dana and I would be married 30 years. And so that's like a, you know, a, a unicorn. <laughs> hey, <laughs> Wait, first of all, I, <laughs> that is, man. And, and shout out to you and, and Sister Dana and, you know, marriages that last um, because it is possible. Um, I, You know, I just you, you, it doesn't really, you know, it didn't really compute in my mind, like being that age, like I can remember, you know, coming up in church and when, you know, when Miles was born and this was uh, when y'all were living uh, the next block over from Cliff and we used to come over there and play basketball with y'all in the cul-de-sac and um, he used to come outside and um, I just, you know, to me, like looking at how I remember remembering how young he was and not 
putting two and two together at how young you were. You know what I mean? Because I knew you were older than me, but when you put it in that context of, you know, age-wise of, you know, how being a young dad and how you've weathered and aged and made your adjustments from, from that point, you know, to now and, you know, with the addition of, you know, your other children, all of that coupled together, uh, it's to me like I just like wow man like I didn't I didn't really think of it you know in that in those terms until you you put it that way just now and so like your perspective is extremely unique um, from starting from that point and and just sticking with it not because you know it was a it was a chore but it was you know you put the effort in you put the work in and you wanted to see results and now you're enjoying the results of that now, like with your kids now. And that's what I mean when I say like, I feel like watching the Feltons is like watching, like, it's like this is probably how people look at, you know, my family. Cause I see y'all doing the family trips together. Y'all do the family outings, you know, the family photos and stuff like that. And all of that to me is just, I love it because, um, one, there's not enough of it, and two, it's familiar to me. And um, I respect that, man. Like, I respect that, and I find a great deal of value in that, you know, because of the times that we live in and the day and age it is. Like you mentioned, you know, the guy didn't the, – the kid didn't believe that his friend's dad lived in the house with him. And when I – got to Morris Brown for a freshman orientation. Shout out to Morris Brown College. Mm-hmm. And, right. <laughs> so um, I remember that, you know, my parents showed up for freshman orientation. And I remember some of the kids that I was meeting in college that they couldn't believe that my mom and dad were still married. And that was a concept I couldn't even wrap my head around. Like I knew like, you know, friends in high school, you know, that their moms and dads weren't together or, you know, somebody's dad wasn't in the house or or, or what have you. But to me, it's just kind of like, man, like this is, you know, when you in your own neighborhood, you know, and then you go outside of that into a different state, like it hit different when I got to college and I'm meeting people from, you know, California, people from New York, people from, you know, Connecticut and from, you know, these different cities around the country. And they're all saying like, y'all can't believe your mom and dad like are still married. And so it's just kind of like, wow, like this is, it's a common thing. And I didn't take it for granted. um, And I still don't take it for granted, you know, that my mom and dad are still together and, you know, take everything from, you know, what my dad has taught me. Um, But just looking at the concept of fatherlessness, okay, and how critical it is for dads to be involved, whether you're in the house, you made, you gave the example of, you know, fathers that, you know, are co-parenting even in, in certain situations where they're not in the home, but they're more involved and more hands-on than some dads who are, you know, upstairs in, or downstairs in the cave or, or what have you. Now, In your line of work, you currently work for Wayne County Sheriff. And in being in law enforcement, like you spend a lot of time in the jail. And 
how how did you make that connection? Like, what was that? What was it like making that connection with seeing the guys coming in through the prison system or being affected by the legal system, and just kind of knowing that it's a good bet that they probably didn't have that support at home or that guidance to kind of help them steer clear of you know coming into a facility where you know someplace like where you were you were working. Well, let, let me let let I'm going to answer your question. Um, answer your question. I just want to comment too. Shout out, shout out to Morris Brown. I remember when I went to went to went to college that my mother and father weren't weren't married. Kevin, mm-hmm. about since we're talking about fatherhood, shout out to my father Jeffrey Cornell Felton. You know, they went together. We went together. Wow, <laughs> wow, that's dope. <laughs> <laughs> we, we were together. I got pictures. I got pictures in my in, in the in the towers with my dad, and I'll I'll shoot that picture to you on my first day of college. But what I'm saying is, when we talk Man. about a commitment, a commitment to fatherhood, you know, either you know we could we could we could have another segment talking about the effects of you know divorce or separated parents, whatever. You know, my father was always saying he's committed to us, right? You know, not that he didn't love us. Uh, you know, him and him and my mother just didn't work out. But I think from even as a young man, fourteen, fifteen years old, you know, and then bring, being brought up to church, I just, I just, just didn't think that divorce was an option. So I had to, I couldn't deal with that. But anyway, his commitment was still mm-hmm. there to make sure he went to school and things like that. And so I think it's important to definitely, you know, have. The father, uh, the father's uh, presence is significant in life. Now, connecting that with, uh, or, or, or talking about the influence of some of the young folks, or the people that I come in contact with who may have, or may not have had a father in the home. I wish I had the data to support mm-hmm. that maybe a person didn't have the direction that they needed from a father or if they were in a two-parent home versus the people that had two-parent homes and those that, that, that were criminal or committed uh, crimes. Because a lot of there are a lot of variables that play in it, not just a fatherless home, but mental illness, um, all, all kind of things, or misdiagnosed right. stuff or whatever the case is, it may be. And, and I even shared this with you, talking about being a father, how it's changed you. Some fathers have actually put their, their children in, in harm's way and, mm. and because of the way – that they were treated by their father. And so right. I have, that that's an interesting story. I have a cousin, he's dead now, and he spent most of his life in prison. He died in the 60s. He probably spent 40 years of his life in in in, in, um, in prison. And um, because his father, he said his father just beat him indiscriminately. Man. Um, downstairs, he said he used to try to break him. And he was like, he, would, he wouldn't resist. And, you know, so I don't, he wouldn't, he wouldn't like, submit to his dad or beating him. His dad would just beat him more and more and more and more and more and more. And so he just, he was always mad, had no conflict resolution skills or anything like that. Ended up in prison. And so, and so again, I don't, I can't tell you scientifically the, 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 the impact that fatherlessness has had, but I know it has had, had, had an impact. And I'll tell you this too, Kevin, the responsibility that we have as, as fathers is so significant. And I'll just tell you one thing, and I can tell you a bunch, but one thing that's really, really important is that your father has to tell you who you are. Yes, that's a fact. That's a fact. He's got to tell you who you are. Yeah. And that's the thing that my dad, my dad told me 
from the from the from my recollection of him talking to us and praying with us before we went to bed at night, he would say, "You can be anything that you want to be." He said, mm-hmm. "You can." He said, "There's nobody better than you. You're nobody better than you're not better than anyone else. But you can be anything that you wanted to be." And so from that, that that was confidence that I had. He would talk about the work that you had to do, and he, I never wanted to let my father down. Yeah. Yep. I mean, he was like a superhero to me. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, at that time, you could you could talk about my mama. I'd be like, dog, don't talk about my mama, man. You know, but you say something about my daddy, I'll be ready to fight because yeah. that's how high of a pedestal that I had him on. And mm-hmm. so him, fathers telling their children who they are, what they can be, and that you support them and that, that you're not a dream killer is so significant. And yeah. I believe that you have a lot of people that are in jail or in prison, literally, who never had any direction, as you as you talked about, or misguided, and so they made choices because they didn't have anybody to talk to. Or what might even be even worse, Kevin, are those who are in a prison, not literally, but a prison of life mindset. Their paradigm is just so jaded and obtuse because of the lack of leadership that they or a model of leadership of what they should have done um as it relates to life. And then you have people who are who may appear to be successful but are still have something that's mi- missing uh, in terms of them maximizing their full potential or trait because they're always wondering if they even knew, didn't know who their, their daddy was or whatever. So you have right. to be driven to be successful because they don't know. Yeah. They don't yeah. know so many different so many different ways of looking at it. And I'm and these stories and these things I'm talking about are 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 people that I know personally. The different ones mm-hmm. I, I know people that, that have done I told you about my, my cousin and things of that nature. And so fathers, we don't really understand the responsibility and impact that we have on the lives of those children that we bring into the world. Yeah. We have a yeah. God that's able to do exceeding abundantly more than we could ask or think. And there's grace for every situation. However, we were ordained to speak life into our children, to, to model holiness, to model wholesomeness, mm-hmm. to show them the way. So that could be perpetuated. And they would do the same thing for their, their children. The Bible talks about right, train up a child the way that they should go when they're older. They won't depart from it. Yeah. So identifying. It's almost like us working as professionals, too. You know, we identify strengths and weaknesses and all that stuff. We do a SWOT analysis. That's Mm -hmm. up to us that we guide them the way that they should go. And a lot of us as fathers are raising our children out of deficits that we had. In some cases, that's good because the Mm -hmm. thing that we have, like, I'm going to love my children because my father's going to love me. But at the same time, we have to look at our children and realize that they're not us. Yeah, right. and that's why right. I try to share with you and other people the significance of looking at your children and understanding that they're individuals and that even though you create them physically, God shaped them before the foundation of the world and knew what their destiny would be. So it's up to us mm-hmm. to make sure that we're connected and sensitive to the spirit of the Holy Ghost, the spirit of God, excuse me, to make sure that we are pouring into our children and guiding them to where he ordained for them to be, not where we want them to be. Right. Yeah. 
you um you mentioned something i want i want to go back to something you mentioned uh about when you you made the statement that your father is supposed to tell you who you are and i heard something yesterday that i hadn't i hadn't heard before and it was um it's something called the law of first mention mm-hmm. and and what it is is you know the context in which i heard it was you know this lady was talking about um how children are being defined now by everything that's around them. And what she was saying with the law first mentioned is, you know, your parents, like what you hear at home um, when you're coming up in your youth, that's pretty much going to shape the truth that you start to, you know, evolve around, um, you know, as you kind of go through life. And I thought about how critical that was when she said that, because, you know, my dad, he did the same thing with me and my sisters. Like he was supportive. He was, you know, involved. He was at everything. We could talk to him. You know, he made it clear that he was on our side. He was there to help us. Uh, You know, he would, you know, he would pray with us. My dad was a model, man. It was nothing for me to wake up at like two o'clock in the morning to use the bathroom as a kid. And I would hear my dad downstairs in the living room praying. And it just kind of, you know, I wanted to be like him, like, just like how you, you know, you looked at your dad, like that was your hero. Like I looked at my father the same way. And, right. and I think that, um, it's, it's crucial because now, like I see, I see that, you know, not just between, you know, you and, uh, uh Krista and Michaela, but miles, especially miles. And, and we had a conversation uh, last summer, this is last year, and we talked about how, like, you you had mentioned to me about how you're trying to make make it clear to Miles that, like, look, man, like, you you know, we in this together. Like, I'm here for you. And in that conversation, you know, you were trying to get him to understand the level of the relationship that he had grown to between the two of you and how the bond had evolved that he may not have realized yet. And you had to kind of share that with him. Yeah. And so I I thought that was to me, like, I felt like that was a a pivotal moment in his life that he wasn't quite aware of. But when he came to the realization after y'all talked to me, I kind of felt like, you know, that automatically elevated him. And I thought about how, like, you know, when I look at the relationship between you know, me and Carson and how I'm trying to develop him and how I'm trying to shape the bond that we have, you know, naturally not trying to force anything, just, you know, letting it happen. And I want that. Like I want, I'm, I'm, I'm like desperate for he and I to have the same relationship that me and my dad have, that you and Miles have, you know, and that's not to, it's not any shade to McKenna. And I know you don't look at, you know, Krista and Michaela any differently. It's just, it's just a different way that you parent them. It's a different way that you father them, you, you know, right. being girls. Yeah, you're right. So, yeah, you're right. You're right. You're right. Go ahead. I'm sorry. No, 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 no. I just, I, and so, so what do you, I mean, say, say what you, cause you were getting ready to say something. So yeah, I was just saying, I think that even in, and I wanted to say this too, even in the, even as it relates to Kayla miles and Krista, you know, I, I tell Miles, he used to say, uh, well, Dad, you know, you treat them differently. I used to ask, I said, you want me to treat you like a girl? <laughs> and so, when, you know, and I meant what I said. Right. You, said, you don't even, you know, you love your children, 
differently. You love them based on, again, that's why I said, man, just raising children, it's just not something that you do, man. It's just not like playing bingo or cards or nothing like that. It's not random. Right. You really got to see God on how to engage your children and 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 how and what they need and you just you just don't you don't you don't know i mean the foundation mm-hmm. of course is love and that you're going to give them attention and all that stuff but you know you have to really really find out what it is that they need and provide it to them yeah. i had a friend of mine who um who who wanted his son to play baseball or or be an athlete again mm-hmm. and just on his head you know he was calling me talking about man you know, so and so and such and such. I was like, dog, I see that. Chill, get off my nephew, man. You know, that does he want to play? You know, I know what you want, but right. is, are you are you is that what he wants to do? And uh, and he was like, you know, he kind of chilled. I was like, dog, he ain't you. You know what I'm saying? I said, he, first of all, he's smart as I don't know what, and he was athletic. Don't get me right. wrong, all all that, everything. You know, he was athletic, but you know, my thing is, does is that is that in his heart? Mm-hmm. Uh, and he 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 backed up, you know. After he cussed me out and all that stuff, he was like, "Dog, you're right." <laughs> and I and I said, "Yeah." I said, "I mean, you have to find out what's good for him." And my man went on to college, man. And he was he went to a major college. It was you know he worked with one of the major sports program and and uh, doing well, you know, working for a, a bank in a, in a major city and all that stuff and. He's doing he's doing really really well, but I'm like, man, you got we got to back up. And again, we as fathers, man, we have to to really. And again, and I and I, I didn't say this too. It's not like, you know, we talked about our families getting together and 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 all that stuff and everything. It's not like everything was always perfect either. Right. And, and yeah. that's something that people need to understand. Just because, you know. You know, it appears this way, but the thing is, we are all how to come back together. We all understand that we're family, and we're galvanized, and we're, we have a bond that can't be broken by anything that's true. I mean, we've had all kind of major issues and concerns, not in my not in my immediate family so much so as it is in my family in general. But we just have to understand. We just you can't you can't as a father you can't cut your kids off, and you know it's it's something, man. I mean, you gotta love them through a lot. You gotta love them right. through a lot. Because even yeah. when they get older and they start tripping, you need to ask yourself, okay, what did I do to cause this? I mean, did I do anything <laughs> first before right. I start to find, oh, they crazy or they this or they that? Whatever. What can what can I do to you know to figure out or or you know to try to help? And I'm saying, Kevin, it's a lot. It's a lot on it, man. It's a lot on yeah. it. The responsibility is heavy. The burden is heavy. But I believe God has given us the grace to be effective fathers and to and to actually reap the benefits of it to seeing our children flourish to go on and be um assets to to society and not liabilities and even a lot of the the, the children I've been surrogate fathers to man just you know a lot of them just miss the love a lot of them just miss somebody just listening to them and trying to understand them and and yeah. when you get older, you understand that 14 and 15 year olds don't know what they're talking about but you thought right. you knew what you were talking about and they're just talking about from their experience mm-hmm. um, I had to, to a parent university for a while and you would you would be surprised at how many adult parents treat their children like adults in terms of the expectations that they have yeah i believe it and and i'm saying that's not i mean you have 15 20 years of experience on them or more mm-hmm. 25 years of experience and then you want them to respond 
like they got the same experience or the same insight that you have on a particular situation. That's that's ridiculous. Yeah. It, it that's yeah. That's putting them at a deficit. That you know, that's setting them up for failure when you give them those unrealistic expectations that they right. you know, they can't meet. Yeah. And, and parenting and being a father is the only I mean, parenting is the only thing I tell you, it's the most important job in the world and you can't get a degree for it. You can't get over the specific there ain't nothing you can get for it. You understand? Know There's nothing. Anybody can have children. And you Anybody. Woof. <laughs> don't know directions come with that boy. None of that. It ain't plug. It ain't plug and play. None of that. It's just you got to figure it out. So based on your experience, it's like it's like you know some folks look act like they've been raised by savages, and you you know you're like woof. So yeah. Mhm. Yeah. Definitely. Um, something that um, has in fact affected my life positively, and I and I love it. I love it. I love it. I love it. I love being a father. I love, um, you know, and I don't know if it's just a believer in me or whatever, but I'm, I'm, I mean, I mean, Kevin, in my experience, either goes back to either your even your grandfather. I mm-hmm. mean, Marlon, I used to be over on Kentucky man in the in the basement. We were, I think, I met Marlon. I was 12, eleven or twelve. I was a little bit older, thirteen or something like that. But even still, right. yeah. Your your grandfather and his and uh, and 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 Jimmy's dad and all them, me and mm-hmm. man, man, yeah, I'm sure, seen, man. That Tony Striggles' dad, all them, man. They, these were guys that was running their running their house and important to their children. Yeah, yeah, so it's I, you know I don't know. I I, I know what you mean, man. Um, and I think that I, I try to you know look at where society is now. And in my mind, a lot of times I think it comes back to, you know, what kind of direction were kids getting at home to, you know, kind of shape their worldview to kind of start them out. Uh, and, and you can just tell, man, like I, I looked at a video uh, on Instagram a couple of days ago and I posted it on my story and it was um, somebody had strung together some clips of, you know, uh, different, you know, uh, actors, singers, you know, media figures or whatever. And they were talking about how their lives were the way they were because they didn't have a father. And, uh, you know, the, the, the craziest one is, uh, magic, the pimp, magic Don Juan. Uh-huh. He, he was the first one in the clip. And he said, he said, if my father was in my life, he said, I would have been your lawyer or your doctor instead mm. of your and I just was like, man, like that, to me, mm. like that was so depressing to hear, like to hear him say that, like looking at his life now and how he, you know, pretty much got famous for, you know, making pimping women, you know, look cool. And for him to have the wherewithal to know that, hey, I'm I'm the way I am because my dad wasn't in my life to pour into me and to, you know, help me make better decisions and the next clip was Tupac in an interview talking about he said if you listen the way I talk you can tell I don't have a father you can tell I don't have any influence look at the things that I I, I rap about you know you can tell my dad wasn't in my life mm. and it was heavy man it was it was heavy to watch because to me like it's such an outcry of where society is in our community you know what I mean? Um, in, in terms of how vital it is for 
you know, our fathers to be involved and, and, you know, be in the mix, hands-on, helping us, you know, make decisions and helping us navigate life the best way that they can, you know what I mean, even if they don't know what they're doing. Because like you said, like, when Carson was born, you know, I looked at everything like, okay, I knew I wanted to be a dad. I knew my, you know, fatherhood. I wanted to be like my dad and, you know, so on and so forth. But when Carson got here, I was like, what do I do? Like, what do I do now? Like, you know, and and it was crazy because I used to say, like, when he was first born, I think he was like one. And somebody said, well, how do you like being a dad now? And I said, you know what? I said, I'm, I'm a dad, but right now I feel like at his age, I'm just looking out for him because, you know, right now this house is his world. All I got to do is make sure he don't run into nothing sharp. He don't fall down the steps. He don't fall off the bed. Make sure he eat. You know, he gets changed and stuff like that. And I said, I pretty much navigate everything he does. I said, but when he gets older and can start asking questions and he and I can have back and forth dialogue about things and outside, the stuff outside the house starts affecting him, you know, that's when I think it comes into play in being like how effective have I been at home you know, and in, in putting him in a position to win when he goes out the door every day, you know, and helping him make decisions. Um, and I think that it's, it's critical, man. It, it really is. And, you know, uh, being a dad sometimes is, is a thankless, it's a thankless job sometimes. It doesn't feel fulfilling sometimes. But at the end of the day, man, when you look at your kids, man, I look at Carson, I look at McKenna, you know, you look at your children and you see yourself in them. And for me, like, that's enough of, you know, that's that's enough of a push to keep going, to fighting through it and say, you know what, I'm here for these kids. I'm going to do everything I can for them. And I'm going I'm to make sure that I set them up for them to be successful in life. Yeah. Well, yeah. so, a lot of times, a lot of times we think that, um, um, that we're not doing enough or whatever. And I think that that's good. I think we should always raise the bar. We should always find more creative ways to spend time with them. And I think um, we just need to make sure that we're listening um, to our children and, you know, and make sure that we're exposing them to different things. Like you talk about in, in the in the world, we don't want to be the last source of information in the 70s. Mm-hmm. Um, parents used to be like the or sixties up until the seventies or whatever. Parents used to be the first source of information for their children. That means if I had a question about anything in the world, I could come home or ask my dad. Um, you know, so now they've dropped down to I don't even know if it's in the top twenty. Um, that means yeah. if Miles would say, um, "Come home from school," he's seven years old. And I say to myself, you know, what? I'm going to talk to Miles about sex before these kids, before they start talking to him about sex at school. And he says, uh, he says, now I said, Miles, I want to talk to you. He said, okay, dad, what you want to talk about? I said, uh, I'm going to talk to you about sex. So Miles now says, well, what do you want to know? <laughs> <laughs> and I know that, I mean, that's bad because, you know, the, ch- the child is either seen on social media, maybe yep. at school. They've had conversations about it because, again, we've, we've, we're, we're not looking at children as innocent or anything like that. We don't, mm-hmm. um, we don't, you know, parlay our conversations or, or take our conversations somewhere else. 
We have uh, adult conversations or mature conversations in front of them. Mm-hmm. Um, we don't make bed at a decent time. Um, we allow them to watch TV and to peruse the Internet and stuff uh, indiscriminately without any uh, oversight. And mm-hmm. so, you know, it's almost like what are they? And, and we're doing it. We're stuffing. Yeah. We're giving them iPads and stuff like that without without the right information on there, without cartoons or even some of the cartoons could be subjective. Right. And things like so they're, it's forming their minds. And so instead of us reading to them or spending time with them or taking the parks and having conversations and telling them about the literally the birds and the bees and, and forming a relationship so they will come to us and ask us questions. I mean, I, and, I, and I guess I'm just, I, can't, I never would believe that I would be old school, but I remember driving home in the car with my dad's in the back seat, looking up at the moon, asking him, why is the moon following us? Yeah, yeah. And he would say the moon actually, you know, he would tell you, told me the story, the, the, the earth rotates and the moon, you know, mm-hmm. on an app, gave me the whole hookup. I got that from my yeah. dad. Yeah, right. <laughs> you know what I mean? But now, I mean, kids, they know everything, this information. So, again, you know, we can't replace you. Fathers cannot re- be replaced. We have to make sure that we are responsible and we do our we do our. It's not even a job. It's a calling. It's what God ordained us to do as as, as fathers is to influence and to lead and to speak into our children's lives, even if we don't have um, blood children or children that we've actually, you know, that came from us. I mean, if we can touch and just offer some young person um, guidance and listen to them and, and, and try to show them, you know, and again, just look at them as being, the Bible says that all souls are mine. I mean, even mm-hmm. if I'm being being an advocate, man. I'm being an ambassador of Jesus Christ, man. I'm just trying to show a young man the right way. And a lot of my hurting, man. It's just mm-hmm. crazy. Yeah. But yeah. I, I just appreciate you having a conversation and actually uh, lifting up a lot of these uh, valuable uh, uh, points. I mean, it's because it's, it's something, man. It's not even. It's a, and I'm gonna tell you this too. Lastly, you know, is that it's not a. It's not a. It's a thankless job. It's not something that you should look forward to be cele- celebrated. Mm-hmm. It's just. It's just who you are. It should be an eight. It's something that God gives you. Father's Day is probably one of the most difficult days for me because my kids are like, what you want, what you want, what you want, what you want to do? And I don't even care. I don't, yeah, Kevin. Exactly. If they, yep. if, they, if they call me and say, happy Father's Day or whatever, that's fine. You know, and, and I, I can't say if they didn't call, would I feel bad? I don't know. All I know is that's just who I am. I ain't tripping. Yeah. Right. You know right. what I mean? I don't need no, I don't need no showers or gifts or cologne and ties and all that stuff. I mean, it's good, it's good, it's cool, but that's I'm gonna be, I'm gonna be that. I am that. Yeah. My yeah. husband, my wife said you were okay, uh, husband, but you were great father. <laughs> 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 hey, but. hey, so you you answered the question I was getting ready to ask you what does Father's Day mean to you? So that was a great, that was a great. Uh, response um to the question that i was kind of i was setting it up but you 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 hit it you hit it off the park already so i'll get you out of here on this question um with the experience that you've had now being a dad where parenting is concerned what advice would 50 year old david give to 22 year old david true Mm-hmm. That's a heavy one. I would say, I would say, walk slow, be patient. Walk slow, mm-hmm. be patient. Yeah, man. I was 
over there on in West Willow Dog. And I tell you, I was out cold, man, with it. You know, I was trying to get that. But like, for example, Kaylin, um, Kaylin was struggling with math. Mm-hmm. And I, you're going to sit here until you get this math right. You know, slammed on the table, acting all ignorant and all that stuff. Just, <laughs> you know. Not, and I'll tell you, I'll grab her now. I'll be like, babe, I'm so sorry. You know, she's the oldest. She, you know. Right, but right. What she earned was, it's okay. Take a break and come back and do it again. And so she, so with, with my granddaughter, Jayla, you know, she's like, dad, you were nothing like that with me. And I said, I know. I know. So I think that patience is so important, you know, and I try to tell fathers that, even young fathers, to be patient. Because again, Kevin, I was I was young. And, you know, maybe I wanted to go who, maybe I want to come up to the church. I don't know. Maybe I was trying to come hang out with y'all. I don't know what I was trying to do. But I was I was going to compromise her education or whatever in my mind. Mm-hmm. I was just hard. And I think that it wasn't necessary. It wasn't necessary. So patience, wow. I think, one thing, and, and a lot of that, you know, that whole train up a child, just just look at your child and identify what their strengths are. And don't right. don't try to live your life through them because you didn't make it to the league or go to the NBA. You gonna make your kids the next NBA basketball players or 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 just you know and, and understanding too. I think is that words can hurt just as much as a spanking or, or physical uh, uh, punishment can be. So, right. Yeah. Agreed. Agreed. So I, I, and you know it's, that's unfortunate, but I, I go back and I just shake my head. I'm shaking my head right now thinking about <laughs> some stuff. And I wasn't abusive. Right. I just think I could have done better in terms of uh, nurturing, you know. So, yep. Be a better nurturer. Be a, yeah. be, a, be patient and be a better be a better a better nurturer. I'm they they know I love them. Right. But I think that um, you know, like I just I I can't believe it. All I know is I see people with younger children, you know, telling them come here, do this, do this, do that, and I'd be like, they okay, you know, they fine. Right. They they four, they five. They wouldn't build to sit for an hour and a half in a restaurant still. That that ain't no sense. That don't make sense, you know? So, yeah, just to be patient, man. So when you with Carlson, just, you know, we in church, you know, they love, you love praise and worship. They don't necessarily, or they might, you know, if they enjoy yeah. it, that's good. But I'm just saying it's just not realistic for a kid to sit and, you know, for two hours, you know, and be quiet. You popping with a fan, um, stick yeah. or something. <laughs> You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Gotta be, man, we got to be patient. So. Yeah. Yes, indeed, man. Beautiful, man. Well, again, man, I appreciate it, man. I appreciate the influence that you have been to me uh, in my journey to, you know, working at being the best father that I can be. Uh, I thank you, man, and I appreciate you. I really uh, – it really means a lot that I can, you know, have you as a resource to, to kind of draw from. And, uh, you know, somebody that can, you know, speak into me that I respect, uh, somebody that I'm accountable to. And, um, I didn't want to, I didn't want to do this, do this without you, without getting your input, man. So I appreciate it again. Thank you for answering the call. Love you very much. Anytime you need me, you know where I am. Firm for life, baby. Yes, sir. Love you, bro. All right. All right. Peace.
My name is Kevin Tony, and this is the Uncommon Sense Podcast. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of the Uncommon Sense Podcast. It's me, your host, Kevin Tony, and we're continuing on with part two in the Father's Day series. And on deck tonight, I'm excited to have uh, my big bro. He's a, a key member of my tribe, uh, and I've come to depend on this brother uh, probably more than he knows. Uh, and wow. and so when I asked him to be a part of this, you know, I was excited that he agreed to do it. I've been wanting to have him on the podcast for a while, and I feel like this is a good way to introduce him to uh, the Uncommon Sense audience with the Father's Day series because, hey, he's a great dad. I respect him immensely, and his input is valuable. Uh, So please welcome to the podcast my good brother, Chris McNeil. What's up, man? Hey, man. Thank you for having me tonight. It is – I feel like it's been a long time coming, but I don't know why I'm saying that. (laughs) Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it has. It has. Right. Yeah. So this Strategy. is this will be yeah, man. Thank you. This will be the first of many. And um so let's 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 get let's get into it, man. We we we're doing the Father's Day series and you know, I'm asking some some dads that whose opinions I value what what uh fatherhood means to them and how it's changed them. And uh, you and I became fathers around the same time. Our children, uh, we both have two children that they're uh, close in age. Mm-hmm. And uh, and um, I, I just, you know, appreciate your journey. And uh, so just, you know, hey, man, how, how has it changed you? How has it impacted you? Everything from my hair color to the way I sleep to the way I eat to the way I use the bathroom to the way I go outside. Yes. Yes, Lord. To the way I make up my bed to the way I drive the car. Mm -hmm. Everything I mean, everything has changed. Mm-hmm. There's nothing about me that is the same for these kids, man. Nothing. They have completely transformed who everything I thought I was. Like, I thought, you know, being, you know, successful and, you know, having money and, you know, making sure that you have some sort of success and, and achievement that gets, it takes on a new meaning when you have, first of all, when you have a wife, when you have right. uh, a bride that, you know, you know, you obtain favor with the Lord when you find your wife. So that's mm-hmm. like, that's like something that you didn't experience before her. But then I shouldn't say, but, but in addition to that, to have children, it makes you want to succeed even the more because you're always looking for ways to 
secure their future, you know, making sure that there's some, some, some posterity that mm-hmm. in tow. You're making sure that, you know, things you never thought about before, like life insurance. You never thought about it before. But man. you're like, man, I got, if something was to ever happen to me, I don't want them to struggle for anything. I want them to always be good. Mm-hmm. So everything has changed about me, man. Everything. And I do mean everything. Yes. There's nothing. If if your father and something about you has not changed, or I should say close to everything about you has not changed, I would really question if you're not narcissistic. Yeah. Yeah. That's that's, that's heavy. Just my, that's just my outlook. That's just my outlook on it. Yeah, that's that's heavy. Uh and I, I agree with that because it definitely changed me. Um it it changed me because you know what, I, I'm not ashamed to say that when my son was born, you know, it made me emotional in a way that I wasn't before. Mhm. And Amen. you know, it, it 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 I'm like watching certain stuff and you know, watching movies that I seen over and over again. It was no big deal before, but you watch certain movies where they have like a father and son scene. It's kind of heavy, and it 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 did something to me. Like watching it after having, you know, my own, you know, children, it, it hit different, and I wasn't prepared for it. And yeah, so I totally, I totally agree with that, man. I mean, even down to the way, like I have boys, so mm-hmm. like. Like, I cut hair. Okay. I've been thinking about each time my boys get a haircut, I cut it. Mm-hmm. So, and it's not like a, it's not like a, it's not like a, a, a one of the, I'm not one of those kind of dads that, you know, just, I put a line of demarcation, I bought it and, you know, I don't fade it or blend it. It's mm-hmm. not that. It's like, I actually, I've been cutting since I was in high school or junior high school. So, so let me add that, let me add that to the list of, things great that Chris McNeil does. I did not know that you were a barber as well. So, and trust me, I have seen, let me just say this. I have seen these kids cuts in the pictures and I have seen them and these are legit, these are legit haircuts. They're not like, yeah. So wait till I tell Valerie, it's like, you know, do you know what else Chris does? Did you know that Chris does this too? Do you know that Chris saves awesome. thousands of dollars in haircuts because he does not have to get his boy's haircut? Let me tell you about why I'm jealous of you for that very reason. I wish, <laughs> I wish, brother, that I could. Man, I wish I was a part because Listen, I'm telling you, man. Especially with the with the way these barbers are charging now. Oh, you don't even want to know. Man, it's it's $60 to get my haircut. Yeah, like, I know. I hate, I hate cutting my own hair because it takes mm-hmm. a long time because I'm getting every nook and cranny right, mm-hmm. and I I don't I don't like standing in the mirror that long. But for them, mm-hmm. like I got my whole setup right now for in the morning for them. Okay, okay. <laughs> just not want them to just not want them to look a mess. I mean, all of that, man. Just everything has changed, Kevin. It's just everything for real. It it, it doesn't make it it. I knew it was 
I knew having kids was serious, but mm-hmm. I did not know it would overtake me. Yeah. I didn't know that. I also know this, that my role in raising these kids is different from my wife's. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because my patience is a little different. Yeah. Yeah. That's um that's something that you have to learn, man. And I remember I remember uh one of the other brothers that I interviewed in this series, he said something that, you know, I was kinda like, Man, you're right. He said, Man, there's no there's no manual for being a father. It's not, man. You just you just gotta you gotta jump in and do it the best way you know how. And when I when we, you know, when 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 my when my son was born, and I, Valerie and I used to pray, and I used to say, you know what, well, God, give us the wisdom to parent, because we don't know what we're doing. And and I would watch the difference in between the way she the way she parents and the way I parent, and the way the kids gravitate towards her and gravitate towards me, and. Mm-hmm. It's not that there is any less love, but you, you you know the difference is marked. It's a market difference, right? And it's a good it's a good balance because we we balance off of each other. And recognizing that is, it was a bug out, man. Like just just kind of watch, you know what I mean? How it how that how that works and the whole dynamic of, you know what? My role is significantly different than hers. It's very it's very different. It's very, very different, which is why I know that having two women in the house with a child is not God's will. No. No. Nope. Having two men in the house with a child, especially a boy, is not God's mm-hmm. will. Right. Right. There's, yeah. There's nothing organic. There's nothing natural about that. But no. that's another podcast. That's another that's podcast. Another podcast. Yeah. But you're that's right. I mean, it's... And you and you think about so so let me ask this okay so ha, so now that you 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 recognize that you've had to change you you've basically done a one eighty your life has done a complete shift mm-hmm. and now think about the way that you father your children mm-hmm. and think about the way your dad fathered you coming up. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Does it make you appreciate the time that he invested in you that you weren't really aware of at the time? Is one of those things I didn't know it at the time, but I see it now. Yes. Type of things. Yeah. Yes. How did that? Like, tell me, tell me about that. So, for me, like I look at, like you said a few minutes ago, when you had Carson, you, you, you there was no manual. You didn't know what to do. Right, you, mm-hmm. did, you 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 parented. You're parenting him with no, like no. There's no blueprint, right? Right. But what you do have that most of our brothers and sisters don't have is a dad. Right. So mm-hmm. you don't have a blueprint, but you do have a frame of reference. Yes. It's like so. I look at I look at parenting like I do when I'm when I'm giving when I'm referencing a tune. Mm-hmm. So. I'm referencing this song for, say, a Tyrese. Okay. I have to, I have to match my vocal intonations, my cadences, my phrasing has to be that of Tyrese's, 
because you know, knowing you know, knowing his vocal limitations and then knowing mm-hmm. his, his vocal prowess, I have to match that as close as possible so he can be he can at least have a reference. Mm-hmm. Uh, if if he doesn't know what to do, he can he can refer to the reference. Oh, that's redundant. But he can he can his attention can be set on the reference in order to get him through the song. Yes. That's how I look at me fathering my children. Because mm-hmm. I don't have a blueprint. Right. But I, I I do have two things. I've got the word of God and I got my Yes, dad. sir. Yep. Yep. That's my reference. That's my frame of reference. And if I'm lost, I can always think about, you know, you know, train up a child in the way he should go, and when he's old, he won't depart from it. You know, mm-hmm. I got that as foundation and a reference. Then when I was experiencing this, this is what Dad did with me. Yeah. But, you know, yeah. Jackson and Dylan, you know, they may not have their, like, their blueprint, or I should say their their manual is still being written, but the mm-hmm. reference is already there. Yeah. So right. I appreciate Dad for shaping, molding me according to my vocal prowess, if you will, my my limitations that he saw that I had. And then framing this vocal, this line, these lines, according to what he observed. Yeah. Yeah. Does that make sense? It, it does. It, it makes a lot of sense. And what here's what I love about these conversations I'm having, because in the previous episode, uh, the brother that I was talking to, he dropped that same scripture about training up a child. And I love the mindset and the consistency in how unchanging the word is and applicable it is to this role yes. uh, in terms of being being a father. And Absolutely. Man, it's it's a critical role. It's 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 crucial, man. Like people, you know, lives are shaped and broken. Yes. Off the strength or the existence or non-existence of relationship with their father, and Absolutely. and the key word is relationship because you can be, you know, there's a lot of absentee dads out there. There's a lot of fathers in the house that are in the house, you know, but they're not hands-on. They might as well not be there. You know what I mean? So there's no, right. where there's no relationship, there's no growth, there's no back and forth exchange. You know what right. I mean? And and, right. and I, call that, I call that fellowship. Yes. Yep. Because I can be related to somebody, which is relationship. I can be related mm-hmm. to you, but I might not have any fellowship with you. Yeah. And that's you. The back and forth exchange, the the commonalities, the contrast, the the pulling away, the bringing toward, all of mm-hmm. those things are indicative of contrast, of proximity, yes. as opposed to us being related. You know, we we have the same blood. You know, it's yeah. that's different. There are plenty of family. There's plenty of people in my family that I have no fellowship with. I got relationship with them, but I have no fellowship with them. Mm-hmm. And so. My kids, you know, one thing that I've established that my dad established with me is that we kiss each other. Yes. Okay. Which is different than mm-hmm. most because they either, you know, they either hug or they shake their dad's hand. But me and my right. dad kissed each other. Mm-hmm. Now, when I was little, we would kiss each other in the mouth. 
Okay, yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. That was, I mean, to the day he died. Yeah. I kissed my father on his head or I kissed him on the cheek. Mm-hmm. And there was nothing. It was the was respect. Nothing. It was the, the reverence. It was, it was right. It was exactly. There was nothing. Forgive this. But, well, I won't say that then. Uh, I don't even know what we're on this podcast. Lord Jesus, help me. Okay, so <laughs> it was Just, nothing soft. Mm-hmm. It was nothing suspect. Mm-hmm. It was nothing questionable. Well, there's nothing questionable. There was nothing, as Fred Sanford would say, fruity. Right. right. <laughs> About what he was, you know, that that exchange. Because this mm-hmm. is somebody who I absolutely had the utmost honor for. Right. And respect. Honor and respect being different. Mm-hmm. And then I also I had confidence in him. Yeah. Like, he don't want nothing from me. He don't want nothing from me. He just loves me. Yeah, exactly. You know? Exactly. So, yep. there was a kiss. I do the same thing with my kids. I do the same yes. thing. Yeah. I kiss them. Mm-hmm. Now, there's other men, like my brothers, my, my children kiss my brothers. Mm-hmm. But, you know, other men in the family... Maybe like, hey, hey, what you doing? Now, hold on. Right, right. I want to make them feel funny. Right. I want to make my children feel funny. I also don't want to disrespect, you know, the other men. But at the same time, the culture that I'm raising them in is that this is a man's man's house. Yes. And because we are men, we honor and respect one another. Yep. We yep. honor each other because of who's over us. And we respect yes. each other because of who's in front of us. Yes. Yes. Now, let's let's. So you you kind of opened the door for me to move into to this question. Mm-hmm. How how has now you you pastor a church yeah. there in St. Louis? Okay. Yes, sir. And that's a different form of fatherhood, uh, mm-hmm. and from the spiritual perspective. Certainly. And how do you think that that helps? Like your natural. Uh, position as the father of your children, how do you think that that, that helps you in in fathering the, the people in, in your church, in your ministry, from that perspective? Well, i tell you what, when I had Jackson, it gave me perspective of how God looks at me. Mm-hmm. Right? I don't know if you experienced this, but mm-hmm. it gave even more, you know, insight to how the Lord deals with me, how hands on with me, you know, um, you know, when I was a child, I thought as a child, I, I, I I comprehended and and compromised and, uh, I, I Mm -hmm. thought as a child, but then when I became a man, I put away childish things. Well, the reason why you put away childish things is because you were taught to. That's right. That's the part we miss. Yeah. It is happened by osmosis. Somebody had to teach you how to put them away. Yeah. So my relationship with my child gives me gives me insight into how God treats me, loves me, and then with my with with the with my church, like mm-hmm. some of them actually call mm-hmm. me dad. Now, this is weird 
at times because I'm still working my way into fathering and then spiritually parenting somebody. You know, we we, we have 10,000 instructors in Christ Jesus, but we have not many fathers. Yeah. Right? Well, Mm -hmm. we don't have fathers because most of them are still struggling to even be men. Yeah. Say that again. Yeah, they're struggling even to be men. Because they haven't been taught, like what you just said, they haven't been taught how to do what y'all just say. Exactly. And there's a bastardization, there's a gross bastardization that I've noticed in leadership in the Mm -hmm. body of Christ. It is gross bastardization, man. Mm -hmm. Like they they cannot be disciplined. You know, they can't be corrected. They cannot be a lot proper. They don't want to be properly aligned. They don't Mm -hmm. want to be accountable. And then there's this like foster home kind of mentality in spiritual leadership. They think Mm -hmm. that every time I preach, I preach, I preach a message that, um, I talk about, you know, the difference between um, somebody who's being circumcised and somebody who's being castrated. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm coming you with a knife, but I'm yeah. not coming towards you to keep you from being productive. But what I'm coming towards you to do is to cut off excess flesh mm-hmm. to keep your productivity that would be at its maximum, at its apex. Right. I'm not interested in castrating you. I'm not interested in that. Well, most dudes that are in leadership want to castrate the folks that are under them because they don't want them to exceed them. Yeah. Yeah. I want Jackson and Dylan to exceed me. I want them to make me look like, I want them to make me look like. like yes. Yeah. Yeah. But I also <laughs> want to for those that I father in the church. Mm-hmm. Excuse yeah. me, please. But that also means that you have to be under before you can go over. Mm-hmm. You got to sit and learn. Jesus said that take my yoke upon you and learn of me. Yeah. Get in this yoke. Learn of me. Don't. Yeah. Just, because you can't, you can't be over anybody until you go under. You got to submit first before right. you can be in fear. You know what I mean? Right. So. It's it's kind of a, a even exchange, man. Like the way I see Jackson and Dylan, I have, you know, mm-hmm. it, it transfers to how I father those that have really welcomed me into their life as their dad. Yes, and they call me that. It's it's the listen, man. When I get called dad by grown men, and it's mm-hmm. not like. He's my dad. It's not like yeah. It's not yeah. Yeah. It's like this it's it's my, an irreverent. This is they reverence the title. Yeah, and these aren't like dummies. These aren't like I'm sorry. I didn't mean to see that. Say that that wasn't that wasn't very nice. I'm sorry. <laughs> these aren't like um these their their intelligence isn't challenged in any by right. any stretch of nation. Let me put it like that. Right. These are guys and gals who think for themselves, who have their own mm-hmm. businesses who have their own families, who, you know, have to earn a living, who um, are, you know, their ingenuity is top flight. You know, they, they have an intelligence quotient that is off the meter. I mean, these are guys and gals who really have it going on. Mm-hmm. But they look to me like I'm anointed to help them. Right. And right. They, end, they recognize that, and they call me 
father. Mm-hmm. It's crazy. Yeah. And I'm lucky to welcome it because I guess it's all part of shepherding. Yeah. You know? That's right. That's so it. A house is the same thing. That's right. But that's, that's, that's my two cents. No, that's it. And I, so you, you, I want to key in on something you said um, about how you're, you're you're working on, you know, trying to make your sons better than you. And I had a conversation with Carson uh, last summer. He and I were uh, just kind of having, you know, just me and him just chopping it up. And I said to him, uh, he didn't understand it. You know, his his six year old mind couldn't understand what I was telling him, but or what I meant, but I said to him that, I said, you know what? I said, son, everything that I'm doing for you right now is I'm trying to position you now to be better than me. Mm-hmm. And he said, his response was, he said, well, dad, I don't want to be better than you because I think you're pretty great. Mm-hmm. And and that was, you know, bless his heart in that, in that moment. Mm-hmm. And I told him, I said, listen, man, I said, my responsibility to you is to prepare you for the world and to keep you away from the pitfalls that I went through and teach you how to navigate. So you'll know how to get through this, this thing we call life. And mm-hmm. I said, you know, I made mistakes so that I can warn you about them that you don't have to, you know, and, and all, all, all the while I'm showing you, you know, which way to go. We're both being led by the spirit. And, and, and I think that's something that real fathers, you know, want the best for their children. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's not about, you know, I don't want you to match what I'm doing. I want you to exceed me. Like yeah. what I've, what I've done here, this is the, the, the launch pad for you to, all right, go further. That's and right. it becomes a, a line. It keep, we, we start it. We start doing this stuff now. And I, I, I appreciated you saying that because it lets me know that I'm not alone. Oh. Um, and, I, and, and, and I'm going to tell you something, man. Like I like to, because of like that, you mentioned that reference that we have, you know, we have a frame of reference because, you know, our fathers were, they, they, they are and have been guidestones in our life. To you know, kind of for us to draw on and say, okay, well, my pops did this when I was mm-hmm. in a situation like this, so let me see how I will handle it from here. And I like to think that, you know, I'm doing pretty good so far, and right. because I want to be involved, you know, just being here and showing up and doing, you know, uh, exactly what is expected of me just having the discipline and the wherewithal to know like, man, these kids came from me. They're from me. Right. And it's my responsibility to take care of them the way I take care of myself and, and, and go above that. The same way I care for my wife, you know what I mean? The same way I look at and, and the balancing act between meeting the needs of all three of these different people in the mm-hmm. way that they need to be met. You know what I mean? It's, it's a balancing act, but, you get the hang of it eventually and you kind of right. get to a, uh, you get into a groove and you hit a pocket, you know, it's almost like when you, when you get on a flight and, and that the airplane hits that jet stream and it starts really moving 
And it's just right. kind of like, all right, we we hit a vein now, and we really we really uh, we really on our way now. It's the same way you hit these you hit these grooves, and it's like, okay, good. We we firing on all cylinders right now, right. and everything is good. And we're trying to maintain this balance. And I'm telling you, man, it is a balancing act. But to me, in my opinion, man, fatherhood is the most fun, most thankless um, thing that underappreciated, underappreciated thing that I've ever done. And I love it. Like I, I love it. Like I don't. I feel like my life would be boring without these kids, you know, to to have, you know, something to motivate me. You know, my wife is great. We have great wives. We have great help meets. We have suitable help to, to be there for us, to undergird us, to, you know, be behind us, to be right next to us, and they are helping us through this journey. But Valerie would agree with me that, you know, the the way that our children have been an addition to us, you know, spiritually, emotionally, mentally, you know, as, as trying as they can be, as much as they work our nerves and run us crazy Lord sometimes. Lord Jesus. We think about what our lives were like when we didn't have them, and we're like, man, like, you know, this is this is pretty great, you know, regardless of how we, you know, we might, you know, feel like at times is not. Um, but the alternative, man, like I look at, you know, children, these people out here, like, man, and that's that's so key what you said. They haven't been taught to put away childish things. And that is that that is why our society is in the condition that it's in. You got yes, adults that, you know, have been uh, abandoned by their fathers and have not had a reference to teach them how to, you know, at some point it's time to put away childish things. There's no discipline. Yes. You know what I mean? And, man, I'm telling you, that that right there, what, what you said, they, no one has taught them. And that just it just kind of speaks to how crucial the the role of being a father actually is. Absolutely, man. They're absolutely essential because we live in a fatherless society. Man. It's a That's fatherless it. society. The reason why a lot of these, you know, alternative kind of living conditions even exist is mm-hmm. because of the lack of fathers, men yeah. Yeah. That, that that have not only, you know, salve, but they also have a sword. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And they hold they hold the salve in one hand and they hold mm-hmm sword in the other. Yeah. You know that's right. They, they 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 don't you know, just forty years ago our our, our world wasn't like this. No. Our, it was not like this. No. No. And and I said to um I said to Valerie, I said if you look at the condition of what is being called parenting now what is being presented as parenting now where, you know, you have adults that have children that are allowing children to make adult decisions. Uh, and, and, and you have fathers that, you know, these men who are fathers, 
who are allowing their kids to to make decisions and on their own with no guidance, letting them just kind of figure it out on their own. You know, to me, like my, the way I look at it is this, man, and I know I know that you have seen this in your children. You know, my kids, they look at what me and their mama do, how we carry ourselves. They watch us. They watch us and what they see us do and what they don't see us do, what they see us say, what we don't say, how do we act with each other. Those right. are the things that they gravitate towards. And though those are the things that, you know, they draw on. And so my theory is when these children decide that they want to be something different, it's because there's something that they're not seeing in their parent, in their mother or their father. They don't have anything to draw on. You know what I mean? There's no, there's no frame of reference to say like, okay, this is, this is what, you know, a man is, you know what I mean? Because that reference is not there because, you know, their father may be, you know, kind of weak minded or, you know, um, not very assertive or just kind of, you know what I mean? You know, they don't see that and they, they see, they don't see those traits. Uh, then there's nothing for them to draw on, then they gravitate towards the dominant person, which exactly. could be the mother. If it's not mama, then it's somebody else, it's somebody on TV or some kid on YouTube or some something like that. And so the influence that we have is like, it's, in, it's, it's enormous. And yeah. it, it shapes these kids, man. And I look at, you know, fathers, that will allow their kids to just go off and just do stuff like, oh, uh, well, I'm just giving them space to figure it out. That ain't your job until they're grown. They're 18, you know, in the eyes of uh, of the government when they're an adult, you know what I mean? They still need you, even at that point. They still need your guidance. So if and you that, take scripture, that, that scripture actually gives us a timeline. Mm-hmm. Bringing up a child. Yes. It's a place yep. that he should go. And when he is mm-hmm. old. When he's old. <laughs> that's a guy. I mean that's a that's that's that sounds like a timeline. Yeah. Yep. What I mean? Yeah. But there's an order. Come on. So yeah. how are you giving him a choice to figure it out on his own and clearly he needs to be trained, not just taught, mm-hmm. but trained. Yeah. Teaching, yeah. teaching goes on at a blackboard. Training is hands-on with the blackboard in front. Yep. Now you do it. Now it's your turn. Exactly. Now I, you That's you saw right. what I just did. Now let me see you do it. And That's do it right. again. And I do it one more time and keep yep. on doing it. You know, yep. Uh, yep. It, it's crazy because <laughs> I, told, I told Carson that uh, he just finished uh, his last day of school was a couple of days ago. Mm-hmm. And I had a conversation with him uh, the other day, like, and I said, okay, you're on summer break now. I said, Carson, I said, you're going to be seven years old in a couple of months. And I said, this is the summer for you to learn. I said, you're going to learn discipline this summer. And I said, you don't know what discipline is. And I said, and that's okay because – you know, your six-year-old brain, you, you still figuring figuring stuff out, and I'm helping you. I said, now it's time for us to learn discipline. 
And I said, you don't know what that is. And I said, I'm going to teach you what it is. And I said, I'm going to give you a simple definition of what I want you to get etched into your brain. I told him, I said, discipline is doing something you hate, but pretending like you love it. Mm-hmm. And I said, these are the things that we're going to work on this summer. I said, because you get older and more is going to be required of you as you get older, as you get required, you know, as, as you, you know, kind of go through this life. And that's, I think to me, that's the job of fathers because my dad did that with me. And, right. you know, my dad would, I didn't get it. I, I, of course I didn't understand at the time when I'm a kid, I just thought my dad was being tough on me and being hard on me or, you know, even at times I felt like he was picking on me, you know, but my dad was not, you know, he wasn't abusive. He wasn't heavy handed. He didn't scream at me, you know, unless I did something that asked for it, you know, and there were many a day where I asked for it, but my dad was big about drilling things in me. And it was a lot of stuff that I hated doing, but my dad taught me to appreciate it. And, these were character building, you know, uh, you know, little things that he had me doing, you know, whether it was chores around the house, yard work, you know, that kind of stuff, you know, and when I would complain, why do I have to do this? And he would give me an explanation. He would, it would be something too simple for me to argue with. And in terms of the explanation and you, you look at, I look at him I look at my son and I say, you know what? Now I know why my dad did this with me. Like you have to, you have to do this stuff with you, with these kids. You have to, you have to guide them, and 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 put them on a path to where it starts clicking, and they see it for themselves and say, okay, now I get it. Now I get it, and I know uh, what I need to do. And man, it ain't no father in the, in the house if there's no. You know, and 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 to be fair, like um, the the other brother again that I that I interviewed, he made mention of. He said, "Listen, I know some some guys who co-parent. They not in the house. They even live out of state, but they more involved with their children and making sure that they're there. They understand the role of how they should be with their children, and they're more successful fathering their children than some dads who are in the house every day. And mm. so." You know what I mean? He said, he said, man, because I know he, he gave me an example of one of, you know, somebody he knew that his dad was in the house, but his father was physically abusive to him. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so it was like, man, yeah, I got, you know, my pops was home every day. Yeah, I come home. But, man, I wish he wasn't here. You know what I mean? Because of, you know, the way he treats me, you right. know, so. Man, you you gotta have you gotta have balance, man. You have to you know to be a loving father, and to you know see your children, you know like you said, the way Jesus sees us, and mm-hmm. and it's a reason why that's the pattern for the family. Yes, 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 absolutely, man. And it's um, I, I, I look at it as. You know, we talked, the circle of life was in the Lion King, but mm-hmm. <laughs> that circle, it started with Jesus, you know, yes. the way he, even the way he treated the disciples, the way he would give them hands-on training, 
you know, information that was beyond them at the time. Um, he would even speak to them about the spirit they were operating in. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? It wasn't always, it wasn't always the spirit of God. Right. The same, right. The person who gave him the revelation of who he is is the same person he said, get thee behind me. Say, mm-hmm. so it's like these hues and these different, um, these different, uh, okay. So vicissitudes, they mm-hmm. are all in the ministry of Jesus, but it's also teaching us how to father. And it's the circle of life. That's a fact. You can't get, you You are not going to get around the Lord, man, even if you don't, even if you're not a believer. The mm-hmm. principle is truth flows from the same well. Yeah. So you can't get around what he's taught. You can't get around what he has, in, uh, what, what he's concretized in his word. And as responsible men, and as men who, you know, even don't think that we know what we're doing. Apparently, there's something about our our guide or our reverence mm-hmm. that works. And so, for that reason, man, I commend you for not knowing what you're doing, but following the reference mm-hmm. until you do. Yeah. Because yeah. even what you follow in the reference, it's really showing that you you, you know what to do. Mm-hmm. Even if you're yeah. know what to do. Even in my ignorance, I know what to do because I know who's done it. Yep. Yep. So, yeah, man. It, uh, it, it is, you know, like I said, man, I have uh, watched you from afar. Uh, the, the way you have structured your life the way you have, you know, cared for your children, man, and and we wouldn't be having this conversation if I didn't <laughs> think you would have value. You would add value to it. And, and brother, I'm telling you, man, like, I, I, we joke about the similarities between, you know, our kids and, you know what I mean, the the stuff that we go through with, <laughs> with the, the personalities of our children. You know, their quirks, their hang-ups, their, you know, all the isms that come with, you know, the way our kids are, man. And I promise, man, like, I'm I'm always like, I feel like it's, it, of all of, of all of my friends that, that I know that have children, you are quite literally the only one that I can talk to about some of the stuff that my kids do, and you'll get it. You'll get it. You'll get it right away. And... Because <laughs> I can, I can say something to I can say something to other people that I'm close with, and they'll be like, "Man, I don't know what, I don't know how that that happens, man. I don't, I don't know nothing about that." And I can say the same thing to you and be like, "Reverend, listen." <laughs> and so <laughs> it was. Uh, I'm telling you, it was vital for me uh, to get you in this, man. And and again. I thank you for it, man, and I'm going to get you out of here on this one last question. Yes, sir. And I think I know what your answer is going to be. What does Father's Day mean to you? Oh, man. Well, see, for me, Father's Day is rough. 
holiday mm-hmm. for mm-hmm. because as I'm being celebrated, you know, I have others to celebrate. Mm-hmm. Like, like my wife's father is kind of taking the place of my natural father and my spiritual, my biological father and my spiritual father because both of them are gone. Mm-hmm. Father's Day is a heavy, it's a heavy day to me because, first of all, I think that fathers are, like you said earlier, underappreciated. Mm-hmm. Think that it's a very thankless job. Uh, I also think that we should have, I mean, there's not a lot of to do. You know, and I know why that is, you know, because, mm-hmm. you know, bow out, you know, they, they, they peace out on their families and, you know, you know, God bless them, strengthen their hearts to the truth. But Father's Day is extremely meaningful. Mm-hmm. Um, it, you know, my dad will be, this is the ninth year of his death. Wow. Every day, you know, and every year, every day, Every year, I look in the mirror and I see him, mm-hmm. and it just causes me to miss him, you right. know, all the more. It, but you know, separation. You know, when you're separated from somebody like that, somebody mm-hmm. who's your friend in the world. My dad was 83 years old when he died, but he was my best friend in the world. Mm-hmm. Like, I would talk to my father about. Everything he would talk to me about everything, just stuff mm-hmm. that I know that my mama don't know. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? But yeah. Because he he found a friend in the one that he trained. Yeah. You know right. what I'm saying? I have two older brothers, but they don't yeah. have the testimony that I have. Right. My testimony is my dad was my best friend. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I would him cutting his hair. You know, we would talk. You know, he started got barbershop talk. You know, that that's different with your father. Exactly. <laughs> right. Different. But right. he becomes one of the dudes, he becomes one of the guys, one of your guys when he's in the barber's chair. Mm-hmm. He's like rattling off stuff. I'm like, Dad, I didn't know that. He's like, I know because I ain't never tell you. Mm-hmm. You know, <laughs> I had to see when you were ready to hear this. And some of the stuff that he told me, man, I was – it, it made the hit the the hair stand up on my neck, but yeah, Father's Day moving toward that day, it's it's rough, but then it makes me even the more grateful that I had a dad that I honor even while he's in heaven. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah, right. my spiritual father, it you know when he died a couple years ago, mm-hmm. it just I said wow, I'm just out here now because there's times that I want to call them. You know, talk about certain things, and I can't. I want to know what they would do. You know, mm-hmm. what was situation, and it's like just trust what they put in you. Trust. Yes. Me. Yeah. Trust. Yeah. Trust the one, the one that, the one that taught them to put it in you is still alive and well. Mm-hmm. So he will cause it to come alive in you. He'll bring all things back to your remembrance, and yeah. so you can. Permit those things. You can you can have the perfect orthodoxy and the perfect orthopraxy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Stuff. Man, it's a lot of recollection. Um, you know, honoring my my pops, both he and Bishop Ellis. Mm-hmm. And it becomes 
yeah, I have to, I just, I'm thankful that I have, I had a father, man, that I had fathers. I'm, I'm really grateful. Seriously. Yeah, it's a blessing, man. It, it really is, man. And I, and, uh, again, uh, thank you, uh, for oh, no. doing this and, and lending your perspective to, uh, wow. to what we're doing with this Father's Day series and just kind of, you know, highlighting the perspective, you know, of, of fathers in, you know, various situations in various environments and, and just getting a different perspective around, you know, what it means, what it means to them, how it's shaped them, how it's still shaping them. Yes, um, man, because I look at it like, yes, we, ain't, we, you know, being in our forties, man, we still got a lot of fathering to do. Oh, Lord Jesus. A lot. A lot, man. Ain't it the truth? Ain't it yeah, true? man. Yes. So listen, man, I love you. I appreciate you, man. And I thank you for doing this again. Thank you. Have fun. And uh, we're going to do it again. We're going to link up on, on uh, something else because we still got to have a dealer conversation. Oh, go without a doubt. Yes, sir. <laughs> <laughs> yes, sir. One of Detroit's finest. Yes. Yes, indeed. Well, God bless you, man. Yeah, thank you. Uh, and, uh, man, just again, I appreciate you, brother. And happy Father's Day to you. Love you, man. Happy Father's Day to you as well. All right, Bishop. <laughs>